Someone You Should Know, a program about people you know and even more that you don't. Hosted by Stuart Sachs, veteran, husband, father, and grandfather. Now, here's your host, Stuart Sachs. Well, good morning. Welcome again to another edition of Someone You Should Know. Uh, very glad to have you with us this morning. We're going to be talking about something that is a concern and should be a concern for nearly everybody that's watching this show. I want you to watch it with intent, and I want you to watch it closely, and I want you to take notes, and I want you to keep in touch, and I want you to share it with your friends because it's going to be an important program today. And it is brought to you in part by our good friend uh, over at No Sweat Experts. You know, the temperatures are starting to climb now. We're getting ready to get into summer. You don't want to get caught with that air conditioning system going out when the temperatures start to hit the triple digits. So call the folks over at No Sweat Experts. Get on their program. Have them come out and visit you like they do me four times a year, not twice. Good people over there. They'll take care of your system. They'll tell you what they they suspect. They will also change your filters for you. And they're good people over there. No sweat experts. Give them a call. Well, I want to welcome to the show today uh, someone who is trying to change our minds about what we eat and why. Uh, so I welcome to the show to the show uh, Dr. Joan Ifland, uh, who is a food addiction expert, and and we don't often think of the word food and addiction uh, going together, but they do. Uh, and and I, I can attest that we become addicted to food for a lot of different reasons. And mm-hmm. our and, and, and I would say that sometimes our eyes are the first the first step. We, 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 we see food and we get sucked in without knowing what we're going to what we're about to put into our mouths. Is that a fair statement? Oh my gosh, Stuart, that is straight on. Uh, Americans and increasingly around the world are eating things that they regret. They, they're all excited about eating them. Everybody else is eating them. They've been told they're yummy and they don't feel so good afterwards or they're developing diet related diseases and they want to stop and they can't stop. All right. The, the first follow-up question, you mentioned diet-related diseases. Mm-hmm. Fill us in. What are some of, of, of what are considered to be diet-related diseases? Well, top of the list is heart disease, diabetes, irritable bowel, dementia, increasingly dementia. Certainly cancer has now gotten onto that list, fatty liver. Um, and then in my experience skin problems and inflammation problems like asthma and reproductive problems fall into that category. Certainly joint pain, joint disease, bone disorders, muscle disorders. And why do I know this? Well, first of all, I I read the research. But second of all, we've had an online community to, to really get on top of cravings get on top of the food stimulation. And I've seen a lot of different diseases just go away when people get off the processed foods and they get into uh, a caring 
community, a, a, a community that really cuts out the stress. It's pretty cool and it's really fun. And what's interesting about what you said was you you mentioned a lot of diseases and and trust me, everybody that's watching and listening, I'm sure their ears perked up because you named just about every disease that people are really normally going to be you know subjected to in their lifetime. But the one thing you didn't mention when in in the process is you didn't mention vacation. Uh, as, as you know, one cure, as, you know, a major cure. It seems like everybody wants to grab a bottle of some kind of pill in order to do better with with some of these diseases. And sometimes, you know, in, 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 in if I'm correct, your research is saying that very often this is all food-related. And if we start with a change in our food intake uh, and what is in that food, and all we may be able to put some of those medication bottles into the medicine cabinet and forget about them. Well, you're you're on a really good topic. We live in a culture which is dominated by, I would call the medical services industry. Now, in the early 1900s, John D. Rockefeller, who was an oil tycoon, decided that he wanted a pharmaceutical industry. He went to Germany and he got a medical science-based curriculum and he started to train doctors. And then he went around to the legislatures and he created licensing boards because what do you do if you're a great businessman? I mean, a successful businessman, you want to suppress competition. So he went around to the uh, legislatures and he created licensing boards and doctors were not allowed to talk about anything other than pharmaceuticals and surgery. Well, we know that there are many other ways to put disease into remission. Pharmaceuticals are an essential part of it. Medical services are an essential part of it. But over the thousands of years that humans have been around, they've used a lot of other modalities, certainly food, stress management, sleep, meditation, visualizations. Uh, there are even breath work has been used for thousands of years. And doctors in, in some states are not allowed to talk about these other methods. So we, we do see some doctors breaking out of the mold, the integrative medicine doctors, the holistic medicine doctors. But you're right, pharmaceuticals have been positioned as the, you know, the cure, and they they just don't cure, and they don't cure everything, but the the medical services industry has been able to, if a disease can't be cured by pharmaceuticals, then it's considered incurable, and that's why over the last five years of having this online community, I have been so surprised to see these quote unquote incurable, chronic, uh, must take medication for the rest of your life. I've been surprised, of course, happily surprised to see them go into remission or see them fade away. It's been, uh, it's been a great part of having this online community. Well, you know, and as we as we go through the show, we're going to be uh, uh, scrolling across the screen, uh, 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 Dr. Eflin's uh, website 
uh, and I invite you to go to it, processedfoodaddiction.com. And I, I invite you to visit it and, and, and see what it's all about. Because, you know, I think what we're, what we're really telling people is it's time to get back to basics. You know, going back several generations, uh, the food that, that our grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents uh, ate was, was more naturally grown and it was not processed. It was right. fresh. You cleaned it, you chopped it up, you ate it, and it was yeah. good for you. Yeah. Then all of us. Then all of a sudden, and 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 uh, you know, there was there was like you said, maybe the wrong turn was taken, and everybody said, "Well," and 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 I have to admit, they still do it today. When you go into the market, especially when you go into the fresh produce, you don't know when that produce was picked. Because it could have been picked a, a while back. It could have been picked weeks ago. And it's been transported. And it's been processed. It's been sprayed. It's been going through all of these various uh, uh, stages. So it will look good in the grocery store for you to purchase. And you mm -hmm. don't know whether you are getting the nutrients that were in that produce when it was in the ground or on the tree. Well, I will say this, if you can still tell where it came from, if it still looks like it did at harvest, you know, if broccoli still looks like broccoli and um, a steak lo still looks like a steak and the even the, the oatmeal, still the groat, it right. still looks like when it came off the stalk, you're a lot better off then if you're buying something that is a powder, like a flour or a crystal, like sugar or a liquid, like juice or a concentrate, uh, you're much better off than if you buy something that no longer looks like it did at harvest because it is the processing that causes the problem. It is the processing that creates cravings uncontrollable cravings where you give into the craving and then you regret having eaten something. It's because plants, edible plants, have lovely natural endorphins in them. Mother Nature said, well, I'm not going to just ask you to eat so you don't die. And when you eat, I'm going to give you a little bit of pleasure from your dopamine, serotonin, cannabinoid and opioid path pathways in your own brain. Just going to give you a little pleasure there. Well, that's great. You chew that slowly. It's got a lot of fiber in it and your stomach and or your whole system has enough time to anticipate that it's coming. They get all the right digestive enzymes lined up and you have a wonderful nutritious experience. The, when you concentrate or when you process a plant, those natural endorphins are concentrated to the point where they can reach the brain and give you a high. You get a dopamine high or an opioid high or a cannabinoid high. And that's followed by a crash. And in the crash is the compulsion to eat again. 
well, you're not really eating, you're using. <laughs> I mean, because you got to look at the basic science. The basic science says, oh, the brain thinks that's a drug. You know, it's hyperactivating the reward systems. It's hyperactivating the stress systems. It's pulling blood flow away from the frontal lobe so you can't think. Uh, that's an addicted brain. And processed foods do that. And they don't activate the nutrition pathways in the brain. So this is, you talked about a, a turning point. It happened when the tobacco industry, the masters of addiction, bought Kraft, Nabisco, and General Foods in three short years, 1985 to 1988. Is it, you know, is it fair to say that we, as a society, are just not aware of all of the additives and preservatives that go into our food? Yeah, we're not aware of the additives and preservatives, which also are on the, the list of enhancements to make the products more addictive. We're also not aware that different combinations of food are going to activate different reward pathways. So for example, excessive salt activates the same pathway as uh, the um, as uh, as opium. Um, dairy has four naturally occurring morphines in it. It's designed to put a 100-pound baby calf to sleep. So imagine how much morphine you would need to put a 100-pound baby calf to sleep. And that is milk coming right out of mom organic, whatever, it has enough morphine in it to put a baby calf to sleep. So um, when you concentrate that into cheese, wow. it's it becomes addictive. The, um, and uh, gluten. Gluten has a naturally occurring morphine in it, gluteomorphine. It's been extracted. It looks like opium. And it's fine as long as you're as you're gonna chew that kernel that is uh, the, that the gluten is in. But when you when you turn that into a powder, like the same way you turn uh, cocaine into a powder, why? What's so so uh, interesting about the powder? It's already broken down. Your system is going to absorb it very quickly. There will be enough of that gluteomorphine reaching the brain to give you a high, followed by a crash. Crashes are unpleasant. We remember how much better we felt when we were using or eating, and then we go back to it. We might be full. We might have just had a great big old bowl of breakfast cereal, and 20 minutes later, we're quote-unquote hungry again. I don't know if we're so hungry. I think we're crashing. That that's in, interesting because you you don't you don't think of, about that 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 and sometimes sometimes we don't know when we're full we don't know when when we have had a sufficient amount to say okay I have satisfied my hunger it, it it's mm -hmm. it's it if it tastes good and I mean certainly this is what what restaurants want is you just keep saying I want more and more bring bring me another another helping and so that in is, itself is go ahead no, no you're you're on a great topic which is restaurants how do restaurants participate in this overeating 
the huge menus, your brain starts getting revved up. Your, your, your survival brain, the fear of famine brain. Oh, there's that much food. Oh, there's that much food. Cause you've got to remember what, even whether you're a creationist or an evolutionist, that finding food was always a challenge. There were droughts and uh, there was not always food available. So the brain is very tuned in, of course, to food. And if you came along to a large quantity of food, oh my gosh, you would eat it all. If it was a festival or a feast or there was just a lot of food available, for you would just eat it. And your brain would encourage you to eat that, even binge on it, eat it really fast, especially in, in times of famine. So um, when you go into a restaurant and you see this huge menu, why? 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 Why are these, these, these huge menus? You're signaling the brain, oh, there's a lot of food available. Get ready to eat a lot. You should be eating a lot here. So one, I mean, there are very specific strategies to use to counteract, to defend yourself against these. It's not just restaurants. It's also grocery stores, of course, and vending machines and break rooms. The stuff is everywhere now. But you would, I would go on the website before I go to the restaurant and I would decide what I'm going to order and I wouldn't even open up the menu. The other thing restaurants do is they make it very noisy. So if you, like you, they could make it quieter. They, they used to put carpet on the bottom of the tables to muffle the sound so it was a nice, quiet experience. Sure, or or a drop ceiling. Or something, mm -hmm. a drop ceiling, and now now that's a cost that restaurants don't want to 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 have to deal with. And then they'll pipe in music, and they they put the music volume at a point where now you're yelling in order to to speak to each other. But you know, and you bring up another good point because my wife and I have had a, a discussion about this, and it's it's all in the 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 marketing aspect of of restaurants too, is. I'll, I'll, I'll throw an example out there, and that's like the Cheesecake Factory. Mm -hmm. Cheesecake Factory, if you've been there, it, the menu is about 30 pages. And on every page are the most beautiful photos of the food. You, you see this huge platter of food. The colors are 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 calling out to you. Yes. And maybe you walked in yes. saying, I'm just going to, I'm going to have a salad today. But then you go over to the chicken dishes and you go over to the fish dishes and you see something and that's playing havoc with your brain. You're right. You are being manipulated. Yeah. I think and, a and key word for your viewers would be manipulated. The corporations, the processed food corporations, the restaurants, they hire uh, experts in oh, addiction. Sure. They hire the neurologists. They hire, like, the, the most famous one is Howie Moskowitz. He has a PhD from Harvard in experimental psychology of marketing. And he's the one who went around to the corporations after the tobacco industry came in and maxed to the absolute max, the a maximum amount of sugar, fat, salt he could hide in the product. The maximum amount of sugar, fat, salt that the manufacturer could put into the product before the consumer noticed it. And that's where it started. That's one of the five addiction business model factors, which is product formulation, addictive product formulation. 
you have to be able to hide the addictive substance in the product. You have to make the consumer think that it's innocent so that they will buy it and consume it enough to get to establish the addiction. So extra nicotine in cigarettes, extra alcohol in low alcohol drinks, and a lot of sugar, fat, salt in processed foods. You know, and, and, and another thing you mentioned, you mentioned salt and salt is something I think that people don't, don't think of enough and that, and salt can trigger a lot of medical issues. Also, you mentioned mm -hmm. uh, a heart mm -hmm. disease or stroke. Uh, for instance, over the last decade or so, we have been, been uh, kind of pushed in a direction of not to eat processed meats and everything, but you can go in instead of getting a beef burger, you can get a plant-based burger. Uh, and what they do, if you look at the ingredients in a plant-based burger, it, it's got beans and it's got uh, all kinds of good things. But look at the salt content because the salt content will end up being three, four, sometimes five times the amount that it would be in a regular beef burger. And why is that? Because that's the flavor mechanism, that the salt is going to give anything that's bland a better flavor. And it's addictive. Yeah. So we, we do know that excessive salt activates the same pathways as morphine. And there is a withdrawal. We have a great new study in the last couple of years showing uh, migraines and headaches in withdrawal. Now that's one of the characteristics of an addiction where after you use it, it wears off and you feel bad. And that's what drives the using again. And you see for salt, you see horrendous things like the amount of salt in children's Lunchables. And that's another one. You have, um, yeah. you have addictive product formulation and then another element of the addiction business model is young age. So when tobacco came in to Kraft Nabisco and General Foods, they immediately started attacking children. They got a hold of the Kool-Aid brand and they took their Marlboro Country Store technique. You know, oh, this is masculine. Oh yeah, well, I'll smoke because it looks masculine. Never mind that you're getting an addiction. They took that idea and they brought it over to children and sugar. They took the Marlboro Country Store and it became the wacky warehouse for Kool-Aid. So they persuaded moms that Kool-Aid was this fun, innocent product. And meanwhile, sugar has been shown to be more addictive and destructive than cocaine. Boom, 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 boom. Children, millions yeah. of children got addicted to sugar. It's diabolical. Well, yeah, and, and this is the reason why why people still have a tendency to say, "I I don't like diet drinks. That I want I want the real the I real want the stuff. real sugar. Yeah, yeah. Be, because it's the sugar. It, it's the sweet part of it that that makes whatever the cola is that you're drinking taste better. Is the sugar content that's in it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, my I I have a, a big shout out to my sister. Uh, she has been a runner for almost 50 years now, and she's also, uh, watched what she consumes. Uh, she can eat with the best of them. I've seen her, but she's got a great metabolism that burns it up. But 
she is a when she is a uh, goes to the grocery store and shops, she kind of has a rule that if what she's buying has more than six ingredients in it, it goes back on the shelf. That you know, and and people, you should be aware of that when you pick up those packages, the cereals for the kids, uh, you know, the the foods that you, a can of food, a package of food, uh, anything. If you look on the back of that and the the list of ingredients and preservatives and additives and all is two, three inches long, you're you're not doing yourself a favor. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing yourself more harm. You know, you're making me think of something that Marion Nessel, who was the chairman of the New York University Nutrition Department for years, she said that if it has a label, it's a warning label. So <laughs> if it has a label, it's in a package. If it's in a package, it's been processed to get in there to stick to, if you can, if you know, like celery, okay, it still looks like celery. Carrots still look like carrots, but anything that's made from a, a powder or crystal, a liquid, those things do not occur in nature. Those have been transformed from a plant to a drug. Yeah. And, and as I said, a lot of times, a lot of those additives and preservatives are there because when the when the good stuff was packaged, uh, you didn't know how long the shelf life was going to be. Mm-hmm. So by adding mm-hmm. preservatives and additives, they could extend the shelf life. Exactly. And, and, and a lot of that breaks down the nutritional aspect of the food that's in that package, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, you know... Dr. Joan, what is it about our brain that that we have trouble uh, trying to to uh, figure out what to do with these processed foods? Is is there a trigger in our head yeah. that just says, "Don't worry about it. If it tastes good, eat it. And if it so doesn't taste good, it's I, not I'm good so for glad it. you're bringing this up because people blame themselves. People blame themselves. Why did I overeat? Why am I gaining weight? Why do I have diabetes? Why can't I get it under control? Why is my doctor fussing at me? Why do my numbers keep getting worse? I'm trying so hard. Well, one of the the problems is that products which are lethal have been allowed to be labeled as healthy. Like I have never found a healthy choice product that's actually healthy. It's a brand name. But now the FDA is beginning to push back against that. You have to have less than certain percentages of of sugar and fat, salt in a product in order to be able to use the healthy label. So when you eat one of these incredibly deceptive products, what happens is your reward centers and your stress centers become hyperactive and they're using up the blood in your head. So what's happening is the blood is not reaching your frontal lobe. Your frontal lobe is where your braking system is. That's the only part of the brain that can really be analytical. So you have learning and attention and decision-making and problem-solving and impulse control and memory in your frontal lobe. Those are all the things that you need in order to not eat something, to make the decision not to eat something. But because these uh, these are designed, they're engineered to create these intense cravings, 
all your blood flow is going to the part of the brain that creates cravings. And not enough of it is reaching the frontal lobe to say, oh, I, no, I, 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 no, I can't eat that. That is not your fault. And so all of this craziness, like, oh, I don't have enough willpower, or oh, I don't want it enough, or I'm too lazy. Like, I was on a program once where one of the guests tried to call Americans lazy. She said, no, they're not lazy. They're eating 73% of their calories in drugs that make us tired, that make us brain fog, that makes, makes, makes us lethargic. They're not lazy. They are drugged up against their will without their knowledge. So I just hope that everybody knows out there, if you've taken a bite of processed foods, or more likely you took a bite and then ate the package because that's part of the strategy of these addiction neurologists. This is not your fault. This is not your fault. If you go out and, and like Stu was saying, you, you're going to have a salad and then you order the biggest goopiest thing on the menu. That's not your fault. You are being manipulated in those environments. Yeah. Fight back. <laughs> Fight back. Well, and, and, and also one thing that I am, uh, my wife and I are, are very supportive of is that, that if you would learn to favor your local mama, papa, uh, restaurants and cafes that cook from scratch, instead of going into the chain restaurants, which have, you know, package their food in advance and ship it, mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. you are so much better off by, yeah. by, you know, and you're supporting, you're supporting, uh, uh, you know, grassroots America by yes. doing so. Yes. Uh, my, my father-in-law was a traveling salesman and he, he used to, he used to go, he used to say, if there's an 18 wheeler parked in front of the cafe, that's where I'm going to eat. Yes. Because, yes. You know, it, it might, it might've been fried on a grill or something with a little bit of butter or lard or whatever, but it's usually going to be much, much better, better food for you. I used to stop at truck stops. Yeah. <laughs> you have a nice buffet and there would be real vegetables. Yeah. Okay. They're floating in water, but you just scoop them out. You could get real food at a truck. I haven't been in a truck stop in a long time. I finally gave up. I have to uh, take my own food. I'm going on a three-hour ride this afternoon, and overnight in my slow cooker, I cooked uh, split peas, and I grilled some salmon under the broiler this morning, and I've made some zucchini. So I'm going to put the hot soup into a mason jar uh, over the salmon and zucchini, and I will not stop for food. And, and there are a lot of very, very simple things that you can do at home uh, and all that, that, you know, you don't have to have a recipe that's got, you know, a uh, 30 minute prep, prep time okay. and, and, and mm -hmm. an hour cooking time. And yep. it's got, again, it's got 12, 20 or 30 ingredients. Uh, went out with some friends uh, over the weekend and, uh, to, and, and, and visited uh, another couple and they, they put some steaks on the grill, mm -hmm. did not did not put a lot of seasonings because, you know, here in Texas, it's all about the seasonings and, and those seasonings that you rub into your meats and everything, when you put them on the grill, 
that's where all those salts and additives and everything are. And that gets into the meat as you grill it. Yeah. But we, we had a very, very basic food. But what they did was, and it was very, very delicious, was we had grilled romaine lettuce. Oh, cool. It was beautiful. Cut, cut a, a romaine lettuce in half, put it on the grill, and you just drizzle a little bit of oil and, and, and lemon uh, on it. And, and she sprinkled a little bit of, uh, of Parmesan cheese on it. Absolutely delicious. Fabulous. And, and, yes. and, and, and simple. And we, we for, I think we forget what simplicity is yes, all about. Yes, we, we are not encouraged to think about these simple things. We're encouraged to think about, um, and the delivery services have just made everything 10 times worse. Yeah. Yes, if you have a crock pot, um, it takes about literally two minutes to open a, a package of protein uh, pour in a cup of beans, maybe some carrots, and put the lid on. Put water on, put the lid on, shake some oregano in there, and um, and close it. Your crock pot will make food faster than you can pick it up from a fast food restaurant, but just remember to either start it the night before or start it before you leave for work. Literally. Exactly. Come home just to drop a drop it a in, really... don't even stir it, put the lid yeah. on, and go to work. Yeah, and when you come home, you open up the pot. And you got a, so a meal good. with, with yeah. You know, and and it's what's what's interesting about that, Doctor Joan, is if you go back probably what thirty years when the crock pot really hit the market, everybody had to have one, and it was and great, and, and everybody uses one. And folks, mm -hmm. probably if you opened up your cabinet down there in the back corner, <laughs> exactly. is your crock pot. Yes. <laughs> You should it could take save your life, literally. Yeah, save and, your life. And there are endless variations of what you can make. You can put beans, you can put rice. You can and I don't doubt that there are people that are watching and listening right now that are saying, yeah, I do have a oh, crop, yeah. but I, I, I should start doing that again. Yeah, it's put in like, an entire like, sweet potato. You don't even have to cut it up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the today's modern kind of healthy thing is take all your veggies and fruits and everything and put it into a blender and make a smoothie or something out of it. No, uh, don't do that. that you're, yeah. you're just processing at home. You're cutting up the fiber. You're cutting the the cells. Don't put your stuff no. in, a, in a blender. Put it in your crock pot. <laughs> you know, I, I remember it, and I'm going to turn the clock back uh, quite, quite a way. When, when we were kids growing up, uh, I remember mom used to go to the grocery store or to the local butcher and she would get our thinly sliced bologna for our sandwiches to take to school, uh, you know, our sliced meats, our sliced vegetables and all that. Then I remember uh, uh, and, uh, that a, a few years later, I guess I was getting more into middle school or so, they started to package our meats in plastic and you could now buy it you know you you didn't have to go to the butcher you could just get it on a hook and 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 it was it, for for moms everywhere it was a shortcut it was a lot easier because they could keep that package in the refrigerator open up the package and and for for you know as far as we were concerned it tasted the same but I do remember that about 20 years later, there were medical studies that said inside that plastic package with that food 
was a little bit of a liquid. And that liquid was there to keep the, to, to preserve the, the, the food that was inside. It was an mm-hmm. additive and mm-hmm. then it was linked to cancer that mm-hmm. if you had eaten too much of that packaged food and all over time, it affects your system. Well, you're, you're raising another really interesting point. Additives are a big issue. Like that celery does not have any additives and it. it's safe. Yes, maybe it's been sprayed with stuff. You need to really wash it off when you get home. But right. the other thing is that the the new research coming out on plastics is horrifying. The other thing that was happening in that package is the the plastic is emitting toxins into the product. It's another reason to go ahead and go to the butcher counter. I, when I go, I say, no, 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 don't put my stuff in a plastic bag. Put it right on the paper. Just fold it up right in the paper. I'm going home and, and I'll be fine. Yeah, really, um, it's a whole field that has not been explored, which is what is the synergistic effect between the plastics leaking into the food products and the processed foods? Because we know that processed foods are associated with cancer. It's scary. Just grab the celery and grab the carrots and grab the onions and put them in your cart and get out of there. So your focus is on addiction reset. In fact, that that basically is what what you're all about. Your your book uh, is even processed food addiction and 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 a reset. how does that word reset, you know, fit into to the, the message that you're, you're bringing to the audience? Oh, good question. So the brain is very trainable. Now, those addiction neurologists at the corporations, not just food, but it's also screens and gambling and even romance novels, because romance novels are racy. They activate those dopamine pathways. So all corporations now are manipulating our brains to activate the craving pathways. And because we have brain imaging technology, they know exactly how to do that. Anytime you're interfacing with a commercial message, you know, not the gentle message that Stuart gave at the beginning of the program, not the air conditioning people. No, 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 they do not have addiction neurologists on their staff. They just have an honest product. They want you to know about it. That's great marketing. But manipulating a child's brain to crave sugar is sick. It's just sick. So what do you do about it? Well, first of all, you start to really become aware of how much manipulation you are being exposed to. If they can't reach you, they can't manipulate you. So, for example, in our program, we broadcast over 15 hours a day over Zoom a live trained peer support person and it's all kindness it's all you are powerful it's all skill building it's all um compassion we didn't ask to have these things done to us and when your brain is packed with that kind of messaging you have control it's it it's you're teaching your brain you know maybe a neuron used to talk to the next neuron like this you can teach those neurons to talk like this and you do that through repeat messaging 
And the other thing is to get the addictive products out of your house. Um, they, just the availability, your brain knows they're there. That dopamine pathway knows they're there. And just their presence in your house is going to be teasing that dopamine pathway to build up cravings in your head. So keep it out of your house um, and get that crock pot going because when you are cooking in a crock pot, you're filling your house with the smell of clean food. Now, everybody in your house has a food-seeking part of the brain and that food-seeking part of the brain is constantly asking, what's available? What's available? What's available? And if it's, oh, clean food is available, well, then it's going to create a desire for that clean food in you. It's a survival mechanism. So keep your house full of clean food. Don't let processed foods in your house. If you have somebody who's like, oh, I live here, I'm entitled, make them lock it up in the in the trunk of their car. Never. People say, well, I, I need to be able to give my children sugar. I'm like, okay. And how often is that safe? Well, cocaine ha has been shown to be more addictive than sugar. If you addict rats, and this is research done at the University of Bordeaux by a wonderful man, Serge Ahmed, if you addict rats to cocaine, heroin, sugar, and saccharin, and then you put them in a cage and they have a choice, they'll choose the sugar. And if you take the sugar away, they'll choose the saccharin. So great, now we know that sugar is more addictive than cocaine. Yeah, so how often should you give a child sugar? Just less often than you give them the cocaine. <laughs> I know that's a little facetious, but this is the this is what is shown in research. Yeah, and and, and we are we uh, often lose sight of that fact because when the child comes home from school, you figure, well, you've had a tough day at school all day. Not 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 only you probably have had some sugar in your lunchbox. Uh, or for lunch at the school, but or the as soon school as you gave come, it to you, yeah. yeah, you know. But as soon as you come home, well, you treat yourself and 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 have those ice cream bars or have that that candy bar or or a bag of of, of yeah, candy. Yeah, it's so sad. You know, it, it's like you you you've earned that. But I, the other thing that that a lot of people have 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 said is never ever ever go to the grocery store on an empty stomach. And never take your children to the grocery store like you wouldn't take them in a bar. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, don't been take there, your been there and done that. Store. Yeah, because yeah. Every, everything that you don't need and want it, it gets grabbed off the shelf and thrown into the cart because yeah. they saw it on television. Yes, they saw and that advertised crazy. and they got they want to have it. You're, you're, and when you're they at, walked in the the door, there was that nice person from the bakery. Have uh, a cookie for the child. What is that doing? That's exciting cravings. Yeah. So or like by the time they the get bakery. back to the cereal aisle, they're crashing and now they're throwing themselves on the floor and screaming <laughs> just like they're in withdrawal because they are in withdrawal. And then you can't figure out why why they won't go to go to bed at night because uh -huh. they, mm -hmm. they got that sugar rush in them and now they're awake and they're ready they're to wired. they're ready to go. Yeah, it's very sad. Depression, there's fatty liver. Uh, so high fructose corn syrup was another big element of why suddenly, why so suddenly did the tobacco industry come in 
they bought 10% of American spending on food in three years. What got their interest so suddenly? Yeah. I think another big factor was high fructose corn syrup came on the market. They had a cheap sweetener. So again, you go back to product formulation is one of the five elements of the addiction business model, but affordability is the next one. So they couldn't afford the sugar that was being sold by their fellow drug dealers in Florida, but oh my gosh, they could afford high fructose corn syrup. But high fructose corn syrup turns to fat two and a half times more readily than sugar. So now you have a whole population of children with fatty liver. It turns to fat in the liver. And so those children, are, are they, they can't filter the toxins out of their bodies. And you're thinking, okay, well, I'll just give them a little bit. It's like, this is 10 times worse than cigarettes. You would never get your child a cigarette. But people are, this is the delusion. So another one of the A's is advertising and then availability. You know, they're taking out the vending machines for cigarettes and putting in the vending machines for soda and snacks. This right, is right, it's right. a business model and you are the victim of it. Well, folks, if you're watching and listening again, visit Dr. Joan Iflin's uh, site. Uh, there's lots of information there that you can reach out and her uh, about. Uh, and if you want to know about the programs that she's involved in and you want to get involved in them in your community, reach out to Dr. Joan. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be to be with us today and, and just sharing some of your insight and trying to wake us up to the fact that that you know uh, let your let your uh, you know get don't let your eyes uh, lead the way um, and I'll, every week when I do my show, Dr. Joan, I end by saying be yourself because everyone else is already taken. And I think that <laughs> I you know it. what I'm talking about. Uh, and again, I, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to Thanks share. Thanks for having me. Just, I your, appreciate your, your you. Just, I want all your viewers to know it's not your fault. That's the biggest thing to remember. This is not your fault. And, and, you, and you can make a change. You just have to want to. And open the cupboard and go to the back and find that crock pot and take it out and start to use it. Yep. <laughs> so yep. That'll do it for another edition of Thank Someone you. you Should Know. Look forward to seeing you again next week, 10 o'clock on Wednesday. Go out and make it a good day. Thank you again, Dr. Joan. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate this. Someone you should know. You should know.